Welcome listeners to another episode of the Afro Gamer Podcast where we discuss everything gaming and esports in Africa. Today we have a special guest and we will be focusing on esports for the younger generation. We're talking about those in, you know, the primary schools, the secondary schools or high school as most know it. I will be speaking with the CEO of Kucheza Gaming. Today, listeners, welcome Bukola Akinbade. Thank you very much. Very nice to be here. Okay, how are you doing today, Bukola? I'm very well, thank you. It's nice, it's sunny in Lagos, so things are good. Good, so let's jump right into it. Kucheza Gaming, what, what does that mean? So Kucheza is a Swahili word meaning play or to play, um, and so it's um, uh, it embodies what we're trying to do as a brand to enlighten or educate children through play or through gaming specifically. I noticed that you're focusing on kids and that's primary school and secondary school or high school as most people know it. Why that um, niche? So um, it's interesting because it's my, my background covers a, a number of things, but specifically I'll start with my personal experience. I have three children. I have uh, three boys aged 13 plus, 10 plus, and seven plus. Um, and so they, the interest, their interest in gaming um, has been in it for a while, but their, their pattern of behavior was quite interesting to me because um, the oldest, when he was maybe six or seven, his behavior is very different from his current his seven-year-old brother now. And his behavior from the perspective of even what they watch or how they play um, has evolved. So for instance, um, I realized about two years ago, just over that, that when they ask for YouTube time, what they actually do on YouTube is they watch gameplay. And so once I kind of discovered that, um, I started paying a lot more attention, not just to them, but to anytime I met a kid in that age range, um, I would have discussions with them about, you know, what they do. Um, not even if they play games, it's more what do you what do you spend your time doing? And a lot of them, um, when we talk about their, their online habits, are more gameplay watchers. And so that really, really intrigued me. It's like, how, what, what do you mean you watch other people just play games, right? So um, on, the, on the other side of my life, my, my professional life, I'm a marketing person, so I'm a marketing professional. So anytime we go for, um, we have a lot of partnership across the world with um, platforms like Advertising Week and things like that. So anytime we go for those global events, I then started fishing out the esports panels. And that went on um, between 2017, 2018. And the more I learned about esports across the world, um, I looked at the data, the more I realized, you know, I need to pay attention to it. But in looking at Africa, and you know this, um, is that when we talk about competitive, professional esports um, gameplay, it is Africa infrastructurally doesn't seem to be set up um, for that. And so for us, it was, so how do we then still play in this industry um, where we then have more of an opportunity to compete? And when you look at the trends from places like Newsu, Zoo, and a few other places, you realize that mobile is growing and is gaining critical mass um, in the esports and games industry largely. So because of that, we chose to focus more on mobile esports, yes, but also on the younger generation, so that if the average age of a gamer is 25, then for us, it's important to kind of get to even identify talent early. One, two, is also to educate them not just to have fun, but also to start to show them potential career pathways 
um, so that parents also get comfortable in this ecosystem because we realize like like most other systems that if it's just about playing and there's no commercial or economic viability, a lot more children are not going to be allowed to, to come into this field. Um, so those things kind of spurred us. And also because for Africa, we have a very young population. So it just seemed like the right segment to focus on. Mm, thank you for that. I'm happy you gave that example of your kids. Um, I was in a healthcare practice many years back. And it was, at, I think, closing time. And one of the doctor's kids was there. And I was also curious as to what she was watching. Apparently, she was watching Fortnite. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, you watch other people play? And she was like, yes. I also play, but I watch other people play, so I know, you know, the ins and outs. And that also sparked that light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh, that means the younger generation, the focus of content they consume is quite different. Yeah, completely, completely. There was uh, last year there was uh, a FIFA tournament in, at the O2 in London, O2 Arena, and there was a poster um, that or a flyer that um, my husband brought back, and we had you know in front had a very popular um, um, EPL player or, or someone in front of it. Then he had one little, one other very much smaller image also you know of some other random person in my mind. I thought it was right. The person was random. And when my kids saw it, they didn't know who the main person was. They knew who the smaller person the smaller was. Person the, was yeah. yeah, that the person is like he's a FIFA player or uh, plays on YouTube. So it's like, uh, uh, so they knew. They're like, oh my God, this is this person. And that, and I, I was just like, this is this is how you know that our generations are influenced differently. Differently, uh, yes. By, yeah, differently. And yes. I'm also excited that you are focusing on that age bracket. Because as much as Africa is still playing, you know, catch up in esports, many are neglecting that that age bracket. Yes, um, well, yes, I think I think it it requires a different set of rules. Um, so yes, I'm not even sure that they're neglecting it. I just think that maybe either because of because because of my mom um, and I have kids in that age bracket and I already deal with um, some level of interaction with schools. Um, I'm in marketing as well. Um, so I deal with, with brands and stuff like that. So I, I, found, I found that trying to build a business model for Cochesa made a lot more sense um, for that space actually. Uh, and I know it's, it's, not the usual, it's not the usual brackets and you're right. Um, but for us, we wanted something that would provide a number of things. So one is, allows us to do amazing, fun, culture, shattering work in gaming. It will allow us to do that. Two, we wanted something that also would aim to provide some or build a pathway to an ecosystem. And the format for this age group allows us to do that. And... Three, it's just that 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 this segment, there's economic viability in there. There's also the, that ability to imagine at this very very young age, which especially in the in the primary school realm, where if if this is well positioned and, and done, the you know the minds are open to a lot more potential versus when you are kind of out of out of um, primary or out of secondary when you're a lot more formed 
um, kind, in kind of your, where your creativity is almost structured, so to speak. And so we wanted to kind of delve a bit more into that because from where we're standing, we don't think that it is, it is in Africa that to, to kind of run a business in Africa that you must have, we, we really think you must have both the commercial and the impact side. So we really, really felt strongly that for us to play in esports and games in, in Africa, we needed to have something that, that would change um, people's lives, not just in terms of um, you know, playing and winning, which is fine and that's important and we will do that. Uh, but that impact side was quite important to us as well. So choosing that age group became, um, made a lot more, more sense to us. Plus, even in how the, the kids are rewarded uh, when they play, it's more around scholarships that goes back into schools. Um, the kids have fought us on that, by the way. They keep saying, why are you trying to help my parents? I'm <laughs> play to win. And it's just funny. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. So it's the, the, the impact side is also quite important to us. Okay, so let me ask you this. I'm always, I always ask anyone who comes on the podcast, how would you rate esports in Nigeria, and how would you rate esports in Africa? And whatever your score is, how do you think it affects, um, you know, what um, Cochesa is doing? So to rate esports, um, that would be over ten for both. Over ten for Nigeria. Over ten. Yes. Okay, not not to any any fault of ours. Um, I I would I would rate esports in Africa just from data, and, and I know the data is not reflective. It's not a true reflection because you know whether it's servers or uh, however you want to look at it. But from a global perspective, when you look at data for esports, Africa is largely dark. So I would score Africa a two over ten. And the reason I say that, and I know it's, it's, doesn't, it's not because we're not doing anything. So I'm not trying to, I'm not saying that from the perspective of what is being done on the continent. It's just that we haven't been prioritized as an entire continent, um, you know, by the, by the publishers or, or by tech. So it's, it's just tougher. And for professional gaming, there's a lot more infrastructure required. And from that perspective as well, you know, if we, we are the most populous country on the continent. And I was looking at the data this morning um, and you're having 3G to 4G um, uh, subscriptions being up to about 70 million or just over 70 million um, subscribers, not subscribers, sorry, subscriptions, uh, which they say is just under 40%. And that's 3G uh, and 4G, which is, which is still huge, um, you know, but there's a lot more that is still required for us to, to adequately compete at a global stage where a lot of the bigger events, whether it's League of Legends or, or, or Dota, all that are live, live games. Um, and so I, that's, I think infrastructurally, we are not currently set up for that. I know there are a lot of things that are starting to happen to expose us to the world. So I had a discussion sometime, I think it was last year, um, or no, year before, um, it was October 2018 with um, a company called Fan AI. So they do um, data for esports um, for a lot of a lot of global research, 
And she asked me a question, so why why isn't Africa showing up on you? Why aren't you focusing on Africa? I didn't hear anything um, about your discussion on Africa. For Nigeria um, and Africa, I'll give us a two over 10 in ten from, a, from an esports perspective uh, in terms of how we rank. Uh, and I don't think it's any fault of ours. I don't think that we're not doing what we ought to do um, as players in that space. I just think that infrastructurally, um, that uh, there's a high level of, of infrastructure required uh, for us to compete at a global scale, which is how esports is rated across the world. Um, so whether that's um, League of Legends teams or, um, uh, or, or Dota, but more recently because of things like PUBG and mobile, um, there's a lot more opportunities there for us to play and there's a lot happening, even in Nigeria, as you know, um, in terms of teams playing in those leagues. And so I think um, by this time next year, I think it will be a lot better because mobile would help democratize access for Africans um, amongst other things that should still happen um, in the ecosystem. Your points, it's not different from majority of people who have come here, although they give Africa more as um, compared to what you gave it. And I think what we all agreed at the moment is there is more of gaming than esports because esports is not just gaming. Gaming is part of esports, but, you know, there's more to esports than just gaming. And everyone is, um, let's not say everyone, majority, 9 out of 10, are focusing on just the gaming part. And, the, you know, like you've mentioned, there's the business of gaming where you have the shoutcasters, you have the analysts, you have the coaches, and so on and so forth. So, um, I, I, do, I don't know, when we talk about data now, we've, we've had this controversy a couple of times, and I, I'm not sure if, you know, the developers does not like Africa because, let's say, for example... The Call of Duty Mobile, when, when it got launched in October, they said, you know, the first week they had one million downloads. So if you, um, the developers are saying there is no accurate data for Africa, are they, are they telling us that they can't say how many downloads came from Africa? So that, has, that was my own viewpoint. Like, I think there's more to it than just data because they keep saying, you know, there's no, there's no data for Africa, there's no data for Africa, but... We're buying things online, in in-game purchases. We're downloading. Is there no metrics for that? That has all. That has been my own argument. So I think for um, mobile, I think mobile will give us a, a lot more opportunity to see the data. So, um, so for like I mentioned, for downloads as an example, um, I think mobile, mobile games or uh, would give us more opportunity or potential for that. So I, I don't, I don't expect PUBG not to have that information, um, or even Call of Duty Mobile. I don't expect them not to have that information. But I would understand previously, um, from a PlayStation perspective or from a, an Xbox, Xbox perspective, why that might not be the case. Um, so with, with um, mobile, because, and you're right, gaming versus esports is that not as even as a last year, not a lot of major titles didn't have esports um, ready um, Games. So you had last year, I think it was last year, where uh, Asphalt released, Gameloft released Asphalt Legends, which is which is their major um, mobile esports, the first season of mobile esports for, for Gameloft um, on, on the racing game. So, and 
increasingly you're having more um, due to the success of, of games like Fortnite um, and PUBG. You're having a lot more um, people having that in focus coming into the mobile space. Previously, it was mostly like more Asian um, or Tencent specifically kind of looking at the space uh, in a lot of detail. But I think that the success of Fortnite predominantly actually and, and PUBG has given more people the, I guess, permission um, to rethink uh, this whole omni view of, of gaming. So, which I think, I think a lot of the more legacy publishers have gone or played to their, their strengths and didn't really want to change too much. Uh, but with, with the strides being made by Tencent and a lot of other games coming into mobile, I think that Africa now holds a, a decent, um, there's a real opportunity um, for us to get more involved. So talking about Kuchesa Gaming, what titles do you focus on for esports? So um, we just concluded the Super Smash Bros. Um, tournament in uh, in February. So that's more Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch, yes. Uh, yeah, so but upcoming ones that we're going to be running, um, we have plans to run Fortnite. Um, we're in discussions with some other publishers. But the, a lot of our games, we we won't, we will not be running 16 plus games. Um, just the highest we'll be running will be uh, around 12 plus. We won't be running 16 plus because it only speaks to a much smaller bit of our audience. So we'll be doing PUBG as an example in schools um, or Call of Duty mobile will not be part of our titles. So every, everything um, from things like Rocket League to to football to um, to racing games, to Brawl Stars, those kind of things. Uh, uh, Fortnite are the, are the types of of games we will be um, focusing on. Okay, so will there be plans for um, like um, state championships, national championships, or any any plans to expand? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so the the reason why the, we went with the name, which is a, like a, I was I was explaining earlier, it was just that it's an African, our, our agenda is an African agenda. It's just not a Nigerian-only agenda. Nigeria is a very good starting um, point for us, just for the size of our market, the mobile penetration, you know, uh, the youthfulness of our population. But the idea is that it's meant to be an Africa proposition. Now, yes, even this year, we're starting our, our inter-school tournaments. So we've got hits um, September, October this year, and then a grand finale in December. Um, so that where we're starting to, to form this out. Um, so we now start having, we want to have a regular inter-school calendar um, going into the next um, few years. And that's not just a national calendar for us in Nigeria only, but we're looking um, from an integration point of view into, into first into two other African markets, then um, building out into a bit more. I know, um, you know, the whole Kocheza gaming idea is there going to be like a, a gaming portal that they can sign up, they can have an account, or how does it work? So, short answer is yes, there will be that. So that is the where um, when we, we get funding, that is that is where most of our funding is going to go, um, and we are currently in discussions around that. But that is where the you have more of uh, and um an IT infrastructure that kind of puts that together um, so that it can even make it easier to compete across markets. So because it's, it's, it's a scale up will be a lot more difficult if everything you do 
and running up to your major things that are physical events. You can't really run an Africa um, company in that way. So yes, most definitely there will be um, an IT infrastructure that combines um, or allows the schools to compete um, across the continent with major publishers. Um, what publishers are you working with? I know you mentioned Supercell. So the, the even Supercell, uh, we are in discussions um, with 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 uh, not even them with their parent company, um, but. The one that we, we've done, we've run successfully, is the Nintendo Switch one, um, which, yeah, so that was the Super Smash Bros. Um, so we are in discussions with two other major publishers right now um, to get those publishers signed up. Um, let me ask you this. You know, when many of us were growing up, just like how, you know, kids who were playing football, their parents were like, make sure, um, why are you playing football? Go and read your book. I think that is also happening in esports. So how does Coachella Gaming change that mindset for parents? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and I'm a parent and I think I consider myself to be a fairly liberal parent. Uh, but even with that, you know, this question still holds through. True. Um, and one of the things that we have to do, and it's it's the cultural barrier that we have as a, as a, as a nation and as a continent, where when we talk about education, um, we think about, you know, um, people being able to to recite or to know A to Z at a certain age or to know 1 to 100 or being able to write 1 to 100 at a certain age, you know, or when we're talking about, you know, really, really serious um, professions like accounting, architecture, engineering, um, law, being a lawyer and all that, being the, the kind of grade A, grade A, um, Courses and and you know things like arts or or, or design being more secondary um, courses and what we're starting to do even in in reaching out at education fairs and reaching out to parents in schools and reaching out to schools is this level of education we've taken that as as a as a real point to educate parents uh, about you know the future of work. You know, what roles are, uh, can their kids, um, at the, you know, where, where are the growth areas for the future? So there's a lot of parental education that we're doing. Um, some will be partnership in schools. Some we've done directly at educational affairs with parents. And we find that when we do explain uh, the world of gaming and the world of esports to parents, a lot of parents do not have the context. And we find that also once they have the information, they're more open. So, and I, because I think fundamentally parents... The reason why parents advise their children to go into certain professions is out of love, is out of the desire that ah, your future, you know, needs to be secure. Um, and, and I think that is that is the you know that's the parents' perspective. And as long as parents can understand that this can potentially be a viable uh, profession, that's either as a professional gamer or even in all the other careers that are involved in, in that. So that is, you know, sound design or, or set design or graphics or, you know, all those kind of things. And they start to see the potential opportunity, economic opportunity for their, for their children in the future. More parents become open um, to the idea of it. Um, so that's what we found so far. Okay. I, I agree with you totally. I believe the millennial parents are more liberal, like you said, um, they're open-minded. Once 
you know, they see what the new generation age where once you see the passion of your kid, you do more of encouraging, even if it's not, you know, going towards tech or medicine or, you know, whatever, because now content creation is king. So I think, you know, the millennial parents will, I think they will jump on board. We just need, um, an education and reorientation, which is what is affecting Africa as a whole in terms of esports. Yes, but you know, you know, esports is um, before we even get to esports. You know, it's it's more recently that that you know because of the growth of of tech and tech companies that parents are actively looking for where their children can learn how to code, as an example. And again, which is one of the reasons why we are choosing to kind of. In our, in our format to consider the full ecosystem within schools, so not just the gamer, but the shoutcaster, but the team manager, plus the team admin, you know, roles like that, and also to then get the industry involved in showing those children what the, and their parents as well what the future career pathways can be, because what the parent needs to understand or to see is just is you know, that economic viability, that this thing that this child is wasting, in quotes, their time on, can I can channel this dopamine that is created in their mind out of the interest for these games into computational thinking that results in, a, a, you know, a brighter economic future. And I, and I think that's the task that we have, and I think the full games industry has, and they're doing a lot, and we're, you know, a lot of this is being done. Uh, we have a partner in the UK called Dig Digital Schoolhouse, who... Um, a UK um, company, and this is the education that they've, they've over 30 years of bringing together the games and film industry across the UK, and they've been providing this information, not just um, to parents, but to, you know, to, to the general population. So these are the acts, these are things we have access to and we're, you know, using and building into our path to educate parents here about what um, the future could be um, from a career pathways for, for their children. And sometimes, you know, the whole process is, is about understanding and creating a deeper sense of creativity or desire in the child for them to even start to take an interest in what their careers will be. I remember myself in secondary school, I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, that I dropped courses or took courses was somebody saying, oh, you're good on this subject, or... Uh, so keep it or drop it or some other people saying, oh, my friends are in art class, so I'm going to be in art class. Imagine empowering these children enough out of their desire for gaming for them to actively participate in this point. To say, actually, I think I'm going to keep science because I want to be able to code a game in future. Or actually, I want to keep art because I want to be able to create these types of game in the future. So making the child a more active participant in their career paths early on in life, I think, it would be great. Talking about other, you know, um, path for esports like shoutcasters, coaches, analysts, and so on and so forth, outside the gamers themselves, are they going to be also in that age bracket or they would have to be adults? No, same age bracket. So the full ecosystem is from the 6 to 18-year-old um, group. It's not, it's going to be kids um, from the same age group, so they would manage the, their school teams, they would coordinate them, get make sure when they have tournaments that they're ready, that they know when the, you know, they know when the tournaments are. Like, everything will be inbuilt into the, into the school. 
Okay, so what I was asking was um, for everyone outside of the gamers, we're talking about the shoutcasters, the game analysts, the coaches, the team managers, will there be like a training for them where they can learn how to actually be those things? Yeah, so um, because of our partnership with Digital Schoolhouse, um, um, and they are a UK company, so that is... Um, it's a it's it's a trade body for the UK for the games and film industry, so we have access in partnership with them to the games industry um, at in the UK and uh, and the events at large. So, for instance, um, it's just because of the Corona outbreak that our winners from our tournament were supposed to be in an international friendly in London in April, um, on April eighth, to be able to play their 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 winning team from their own you know schools on Super Smash Bros. But what that starts to do for, for the kids is that they start to see um, shoutcasters, they start to see other kids manage. And there's also um, a playbook, as a school playbook that we have, um, that when we go into schools, how we equip and train um, the kids who, want to, who have shown an interest in any of those roles in terms of what they need to, to do or, or how they need to learn um, to do that role better. Um, then the third leg is the mentors and the one-minute mentor um, videos that we, we create to showcase the different elements and what the tips from, from people in those different roles as well. So we have the playbook, that's one. We have access to the industry at their events and hopefully soon at our local events here. Um, and then thirdly is the, the mentor system. What should we expect from Cochesa Gaming for the rest of the year and in two years' time? Uh, so our, our, our plans are very clear, actually. Um, we expect to start our inter-school tournaments. Um, we, have, we have, you know, really, really interesting ideas in terms of um, being able to recruit a few hundred schools over uh, the next 12 months um, and being able to coordinate that to have a, a really, really decent... Um, inter-school circuit. Um, so by the end of the year, we should have had four school inter-school inter hits and then one grand finale. Um, so that's what we intend to do over the next um, few months. Now, over the next two years, uh, we expect to at least have our IT infrastructure in place so that we can then already have um, added two additional African countries to our circuit. Um, that would that would be amazing for us, um, and yeah, we we are also in discussions with with um, being able to integrate African culture into gaming as well. So, from an education point of view, how do we integrate African history into into gaming? So, those are the things that we would like to have achieved over the next twenty four months. Um, if anyone wants to connect with Kucheza um, Gaming. Um, what are your handles on social media platforms? So, huh, hopefully I remember this. Uh, our website is kuchezagaming.com um, and it should be at kuchezagaming on Instagram and um, Twitter, I believe. So how can, another thing, how can schools sign up? So on our website, so we have a sign-up page that, um, um, I, that has four different entry points. So I am a gamer, is one. So if you're the gamer or your parents, is the parent is the second one or your school. So school is the third one. And then I'm, I want to be a volunteer. So we have a sign-up page that has all four 
So if you're a school, please go through the school path to register. Oh wow, this this is this is wonderful. I'm looking at I'm looking at the site now, and this is really really wonderful. I must I must commend you. Um, as much as esports in Africa, we tend to say, you know, going down to the grassroots, going down to the grassroots. This is actually, you know, taking it from the grassroots because this these are the people who will, you know, decide how esports actually does in Africa as a whole. Another question I do have for you before you leave is there has been this kickback from brands. As much as we say esports is a new tool for marketing, you know, the younger generation, this is the best way to get them. My colleagues in the esports industry in Africa have a certain problem when they reach out to brands. Brands always have that kickback and like, you know, um, I need to see numbers or how can, you know, how can we make money from this? How will Cochesa, you know, work around that? Because I know that that's, if, if you haven't faced that problem yet, I'm sure, you know, it's something you might see. Yeah, so you're right. So like, as I, as I was explaining, you know, I'm a marketing professional or I used to be a marketing professional um, before coming into this. So I completely like, I've been in way too many meetings that what you're saying is, is absolutely right. And so the first thing um, I think is, is that we have to be able to show skill um, as, as, you know, as a body, we have to be able to show skill. And of course, even with that, uh, you know, some brands are still not going to do it. Um, but I think that's, that is the one thing that we need to get right. So skill and reach. And that's one of the reasons why in our method, we are really, really prioritizing uh, and trying to scale up as quickly as we can. That's one. Two is also, to be honest, brands, especially Nigerian brands, uh, they, they, they get on trends, like serious trends very late. Um, so they, they probably, it, it would take, a, a bit of convincing for them to do it, but once one or two do, and then it's, they can see the traction, then it then becomes, you know, uh, like a race to, to get on it. But I think that the, the, a lot of Nigerian brands are risk averse, which is a problem. Um, and I also think that for our audience specifically, I'm not sure how else if your audience is 13 plus or 13 to 18 year olds, as an example, I'm not sure how else outside of YouTube and maybe Nickelodeon, I'm not sure how else outside of gaming um, that would be ideal for you to reach this audience. So, it, you know, uh, that, that is our position. We have had conversations with brands and you're right. Um, this is, you know, this, they're not as forthcoming. However, it's also, we've also gotten slightly interesting conversations, but it's the, the truth is we have to, building scale into this and reach. Uh, but I do think the brands need to take notice because this is it's this is not a passive, gaming is not a passive um, sport or it's not a passive relationship. It is very active, very intentional. Um, the children uh, are very involved in this process. So it is, it, it's, it's more valuable than, than, you know, a, a regular, for instance, TV ad on uh, on channels that children don't pay much attention to anyway. So it says a lot of convincing still to happen, and that that I don't think that will change. But uh, I do think that you will get some brands who are not as risk averse uh, and are willing to to try.
I I really I'm still I, well probably because you're in that industry you can you can relate better because I was working on a mobile game tournament an online tournament and I put together the proposal reached out to all that can reach out to definitely many said you know it's not something they are looking at I had a conversation with one who they actually have a mobile device and he loved the idea but he just he just I he just didn't want to do it. He was like, yes, this is a fresh approach. It's a unique one. It will you know it will reach out to more youths. And okay, what's the problem? He just said they couldn't do it. That was all he told. <laughs> that was all he told me. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I've been in at least the Nigerian uh, marketing industry since um, two thousand and nine. So that's like eleven years. So. I completely get what you're saying. And sometimes, in, in, and I started in, like, I started the first digital agency in Nigeria. So I, I was, at the time I was discussing real data where there was a lot more, you know, when you had 20 million, 30 million people online and people weren't even moving their money there and you could measure it. And, you know, you can't even measure newspapers or outdoor anything like that, but the money was still going that way. So it didn't make any data. From a data point of view, there was no sense in it at all. Why, why they weren't spending on digital. But, it's, it is what it is here, but very, very, tra- like, it's not even that it's traditional. It's, it's just, it's, it's, the, it's questioning the why, you know, uh, and, and it's my brand, not too many brands, you know, kind of are more as intentional in how to really, really break into culture um, versus just doing, you know, what is vanilla or what is gray. I think that the brands that want to really, really hack culture would would see this um, as a really decent opportunity. But to be honest, it's it's not going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a few of those. Oh, I think it's amazing, but we're not going to do it uh, for yeah for a while. Yeah, I he he threw a subliminal message of like, you know what, go and do it on your own. When you succeed, then you know would we'll, would we'll consider that. And growing up. Both sides. I grew up in Nigeria. I, I stay in the U.S. now. You know, I've seen both sides where Samsung would sponsor such events, and it's it, it has it has nothing to do with what they will gain, but it's more of the user experience. Yeah, and brand building. So that and that's and you're quite right. Even for the big brands here, um, like Samsung, as an example that you mentioned. Um, some of the activations Samsung will do at a Mobile World, World Congress um, on one of our other platforms, Tech Plus, they they don't they would they can't spend that much doing that. Not even just the cost. It's also they're not as focused on the experience. You know, um, the innovative side of Samsung and all that is not in this market what they're prioritizing. And I don't know whether that's because um, you know it's a distro or distribution style model here where the actual uh, brand isn't as visible, but it shouldn't really matter. I just think that the idea is they're completely different markets and the tax in those markets um, vary. But a lot, of, a lot of the more global brands have suffered um, using this approach because when new um, entrants come into our markets and, you know, whether it's Transion and they do what they, they want to do um, locally, which is, which is very different from what the big players consider themselves doing in Nigeria, they gain a lot more ground uh, and a lot more quickly. So I think over the years, I would hope that some of the global brands 
have um, are learning or are planning to take a different approach to how they deal with with markets like Nigeria or certain other markets in Africa, just from that point of what is contextually relevant, how do I engage, um, you know, meaningfully with, with this market and, and show value. Um, and that is not just about coming to the market to just to sell, sell, sales. It's also trying to build equity into the brand. And so, yeah, this is an ongoing debate, but yeah, it is what it is. But there, there are some brands out there that are, uh, you know, that will take the risk um, because they're also clear about who they are as a brand and what they're trying to achieve with the audience. And specifically, I keep mentioning culture, but I think gaming is, is currently a subculture, uh, but it's to elevate that to mainstream culture. It's what we're trying to do. And the brands that, that want to have culture and the ones that would see that and participate in it, even in its infancy. All right, that's, that's really, really interesting. I, hopefully they, you know, they get on board soon because it, it, it will be to their benefit, not just to the gamers or to the esports industry, but it will also be to their benefit. Because I was having this argument, I keep saying, I said, I, I might be wrong because I'm not in that industry. I said, the amount of money you're investing on brand ambassadorship, you can use that <laughs> to engage. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you can use that to engage. You can start with the mobile esports. You, If you say, okay, universities or... Or, or high schools, you know that everyone has a smartphone, nine out of 10. They have at least one game on their phone that they play. That approach would get more, you know, customer loyalty than you saying you're giving this ex-celebrity that whole amount. Me going through Instagram or Twitter, seeing a celebrity use a certain phone doesn't push me to use the phone. So you know that's that's just my 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 own angle, you know. Some you know a brand manager might not agree with me, but I I think they need to they need to broaden their their views as to how to engage, you know, customers and clients. Yeah, well, so I think influencer marketing uh, across the world has has affected marketing in in certain ways, but. I, I do see sometimes the, the role that an influencer plays um, in raising awareness about a product or a service. Um, but the, the, the issue, the real issue and the discussion points across the world is, is so, so you are aware, um, but does this, does this influencer kind of motivate you or move you to, to kind of, are they credible enough in the space that you have, that the brand has put them in? Uh, for them to think, actually, this person is telling me like this is true, and therefore I can also take an action. And so, you know, it depends on what the role of the influencer is. If the role is just for more people to be aware of a product or service, um, then maybe, maybe you know, the brands might have a point in what they're doing. However, I think the best way to do it is where there's there's a, a lot of credibility built in into why that influencer is selected, and that the the influencer has real sway as in the ability to actually influence the audience that you seek to reach, not just make them aware, but actually influence their decisions, which uh, most of the time, in, in at least in our market, that isn't the case. Um, but yeah, uh, time will tell. And I also think even within gaming, there's a lot of influencer marketing involved when you talk about creators um, and that space as well. So even if your approach as a brand is more around influencer marketing, that exists even within the gaming space as well. 
So it's about building the right relationships to be able to move this um, subculture into mainstream culture. I think the brands that catch on to that quickly are the ones that will be the better for it uh, in two or three years. Well, that is all the time we have. It was really, really interesting um, having a conversation with you and you taking out time to educate us about what Coachella um, Gaming does. Um, listeners, once again, you know, you can follow us on all our social media platforms to listen to this um, podcast. Once again, Bukala, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. You can connect with us on Twitter at the Afrogamer underscore, on Instagram at the Afrogamer, Facebook, the official Afrogamer. Thank you for listening to the Afrogamer podcast. See you next time.